Welcome to my podcast, The Human Anatomy at the Art of Healing. I'm Dr. Rajeshwari Rapata, former Dean and Professor and HOD of Anatomy. Today, we are going to learn about the fascicular architecture of muscles. In the last podcast, you studied about the fast fibers, intermediate fibers, slow fibers, and you know its action well now. So fascicular architecture of muscle is nothing but the arrangement of the muscle fibers which varies according to the direction, force and arrangement of the habitual movement at the particular joint. So the direction of the joint movement is according to the fascicular architecture. So fascicular architecture is the fibers of the muscles. So let's see. The force of the movement, it is directly proportional to the number and the size of the muscle fibers. And the range of movement is proportional to the length of the fibers. So that's how the movement is decided, depending on the fascicular or the fibrous architecture. These muscles can be classified according to the arrangement of their fasciculi and they are further grouped like the parallel fasciculi which is one where the fasciculi are parallel to the line of pull the muscle it can be called as quadrilateral muscle depending on the shape and the direction of the fibers for example you have the thyroid muscle which is a quadrilateral muscle extending from the thyroid cartilage to the hyoid bone Next one is a strap-like muscle. So it exactly resembles the strap, looks like a strap. So you see the sternohyoid muscle and the sartorius muscle, which extends from the sterno, from the sternum to the hyoid, hyoid bone. And also the sartorius, you very, very well know the sartorius muscle is also called as the tailored muscle. It's present in the thigh anterior compartment. Coming to the third type of muscle, which, is, which looks like strap-like, but it has tendinous intersections. So in between the strap, you will find some tendinous intersections. So the excellent example is the rectus abdominis muscle, which is found on the anterior aspect of the trunk in the, over the abdomen, in the front of the abdomen. Next is the fusiform. Fusiform muscle. Two beautiful examples are the biceps brachii, the muscle which is present in the arm, the biceps, and the digastric muscle. There are several other examples too. So here, the range of movement in such fusiform muscles, it is maximum. Then you find oblique fasciculi. So, the quadrilateral strap-like muscle, the strap-like muscles with tendinous intersection and the fusiform muscles. These are all the examples of the parallel fasciculi. fasciculi. So here the fasciculi are parallel. But the next one that is the oblique fasciculi, you find that the fibers are oblique to the line of the pull. So the muscle may be either triangular or pennate. Pennate means feather-like. 
so the construction of the muscle you will find either it can be triangular or feather like so this arrangement it makes the muscle more powerful although you will find the range of the movement can be reduced the oblique arrangements of this kind of fibers or the muscles are different types so what are these types it can be the triangular type so triangular you will find temporalis muscle adductor longus muscle and the second type is the unipennate so in the unipennate muscle so the examples will be the flexor pollicis longus extensor digitorium longus peroneus tertius and palmar idrosi third type will be bipennate bipennate means two feathers so it looks like two feathers joining together at a point so the examples would be rectus femoris and dorsal interosseus the peroneus longus and flexor hallucis longus so these are some of the examples of the bipennate muscle fourth example fourth type is the multipennate and multipennate means several feathers so here the examples would be subscapularis deltoid uh, you can see the acromial fibers of deltoid they look like multipennate and the fifth type is circumpennate circum means which are circular so you'll find that the tibialis anterior muscle the fibers are circular which winds around the tibia so circumpennate so these are the five examples of the uh, different examples of the uh, muscles where the fibers are arranged in an oblique way so here the triangular unipennate bipennate multipennate and circumpennate these are the five types now coming to the third type is the spiral or the twisted fasciculi so these spiral and twisted fibers these are usually found in the muscles that is the trapezius which is present along at the neck and back and then pectoralis major present in the front of the chest thorax and the latissimus dorsi again on the back supinator muscle in the arm and then you'll find in certain muscles even the fasciculi are somewhat crossed so when these are crossed they would be called as cruciate muscle so excellent example is the sternocleidomastoid then masseter muscle and adductor magnus muscle so these are the spiral or the twisted fasciculi now these muscles you have seen according to the architecture of the muscular fibers that is the fasciculi the nomenclature of the muscles how they are classified the number of ways they have been classified so first type is according to the shape of the muscle then according to the number of heads of the origin according to the gross structure of the muscle and according to the location where it is situated and the attachments depending on the attachments and also according to their actions so you will find that each muscle derives its name according to all these classification so either it can be the shape it can be the 
uh, heads of origin it can be this bross structure or it, it is according to the location or the attachment or their action so depending on all these the names are derived now for example according to the shape you will find trapezius the rhomboidus serratus anterior latissimus dorsi these are different shapes now heads of origin so biceps because it has two heads which originate and triceps three heads and then it joins to form a tendon then quadriceps four origins digastric again two parts divided into two parts so in this way the names are derived depending on the heads of origin now depending on the gross structure semitendinosus that means halfway it is tendinous so semitendinosus is the muscle name semimembranosus that is it is halfway membranous so this muscle is named as semimembranosus now fourth type it is depending on the location of the muscle for example temporalis that means this muscle is situated in the temporal region supraspinatus above the spine you will find this supraspinatus muscle then intercostalis between the ribs so in this way according to the location the names have been given now according to the attachment it's a stylohyoid so from the styloid process to the hyoid bone cricothyroid that is from the cricoid cartilage to the thyroid cricothyroid then according to the actions adductor longus that is the function of the muscle which is adduction and flexor carpi ulnaris because it flexes the carpals towards the ulnar side then adductor pollicis longus because this one abducts the pollex finger that is the thumb so abductor pollicis longus orbicularis oculi because this is situated around the eye so orbiculus orbicularis oculi so surrounding the eyeball surrounding the orbit it is orbicularis oculi so in this way the names are given to the muscles and you can easily remember where it is situated what's the attachment whether what's the action or the number of heads it has so any of these things can be remembered depending on the name if you understand the understand the name you will understand where and how now there are some names which are also given according to the direction of the fibers like rectus abdominis transversus abdominis orbicularis oculi now the fibers you will find in the transversus abdominis these are transversely situated in the orbicularis oculi it is orbiting around the orbit around the eye so the direction of the fibers you can recollect from the name itself name of the muscle eighth one that is the muscle with two bellies with a intervening tendon it's called as digastric muscle so it has two bellies but in between the bellies there is a tendon 
so it's called as digastric muscle so there there should be no confusion between the digastric muscle and the biceps muscle muscle with number of intervening tendons or intersections is found in the rectus abdominis so this is how you differentiate between the digastric muscle rectus abdominis muscle and the biceps muscle in the biceps muscle there is no intervening tendon in the digastric muscle there is an intervening tendon then in the rectus abdominis you will find there are several intervening tendons or intersections so this rectus abdominis is found in the anterior aspect of the abdominal wall and that's what gives the uh, square shaped uh, bulgings you know you see in the uh, the athletes or the bodybuilders which gives the eight pack so that's about the nomenclature of the muscles coming to the muscles which extend over two or more joints when coming to the attachments over the joints so when they extend over two or more joints they are called as diarthric or polyarthric muscles so these muscles for example you can say the flexor carpi radialis flexor digitorium profundus they extend over the joints so these can be called as the diarthric or the polyarthric muscles coming to the nerve supply of the skeletal muscle like any other structure muscles also have their own nerve supply and arterial supply and venous drainage and also its lymphatics so here the nerve supplying to the muscle is called the motor nerve in fact it's a kind of mixed nerve and it consists of different kinds of fibers like uh, motor fibers they almost comprise 60% they may have the large myelinated alpha efferents which supply to the extrafusal muscle fibers then there are the smaller myelinated gamma efferents which supply intrafusal fibers of the muscle spindles and then these are those fibers which refine and control the muscle contractions then there are the fine non myelinated autonomic efferents which supply smooth muscle fibers of the blood vessels so in this way the motor fibers which comprise 60% are def defined into three different types that is large myelinated alpha efferents small myelinated gamma efferents and the fine non myelinated autonomic efferents second type those are the sensory fibers now sensory fibers comprise 40% here the myelinated fibers these are distributed to the muscle spindles for proprioception and also to the tendons these muscle spindles what are they muscle spindles are the spindle shaped sensory end organs which are present at this skeletal muscle and each spindle it contains around 6 to 14 intrafusal muscle fibers 
the motor nerve supply of the spindle it is directed from the gamma motor neurons from the spinal cord and these muscle spindles they act as the stretch receptors what do they do as stretch receptors they record and help regulating the degree and the rate of contraction of the extra fusal fibers by influencing the alpha neurons so that's how the contraction of the muscles happen then there is the motor point this motor point is a site where the motor now enters into the muscle so it pierces the muscle there it may be one or it can be more than one so electrical stimulation happens at the motor point and it is more effective now coming to the motor unit it is called as myon myo is the muscle and neuron so myon it's m y o n e myon that's the motor unit so here a single alpha motor neuron is present along with the muscle fiber supplied to it and the size of the motor unit it depends upon the precision of the muscle control there are smaller motor units too which contain around 5 to 10 muscle fibers and these are found in the muscles which produce fine movements like extraocular muscles there are also large motor units which may contain 100 to 2000 muscle fibers and these are found in the muscles of gross movement which produce large movements like muscles of the uh, limbs especially the proximal limbs then you have the composite hybrid muscle muscle which is supplied by two different motor nerves with different root values it is called as composite or hybrid muscles now some of the examples of hybrid muscles which are supplied by more than one nerve or two nerves so that's adductor magnus flexor digitorium profundus the pectoralis major even the brachialis these are called as the hybrid muscles then there is the nerve supply to the smooth muscle smooth muscles are seen in the intestines so they can be a single unit type or multi unit type and they are classified as such single unit type and the a multi unit type so single unit type of the nerve supply to the smooth muscles which are seen in the intestines here the nerve impulse reaches one muscle cell and from there it is transmitted to other cells by means of the mechanical pull which happens through the fused cell membrane and here the nerve supply is very sparse then the, the multi unit type of the nerve supply you'll find that these are found in the muscles of the ductus deferens so each muscle cell it receives a separate nerve fiber and the contraction it is simultaneous and the nerve supply is rich in this ductus deferens now coming to the nerve supply of the cardiac muscle it's very special the cardiac uh, muscle nerve supply heart it is supplied by the sympathetic and parasympathetic nerve supply 
nerve fibers. So here the sympathetic nerves, they stimulate both the heart rate and the blood pressure and they dilate the coronary arteries. Isn't that wonderful? The sensory fibers, they convey the painful impulses from the heart as always. But the parasympathetic fibers, they decrease the heart rate. And their sensory fibers, they are along, uh, involved in the visceral reflexes. So that's the nerve supply of the cardiac muscle. Here the cardiac muscle is acting like a sensitium with its sympathetic and parasympathetic nerve fibers. So that kind of rhythmic movement, the electrical impulses, okay, everything. Coming to the action of the muscles, how the action of muscle happens because of this nerve supply and depending on the fibers, the fascicular architecture, you will find broadly when a muscle contracts, it shortens by one third, about 30% of its belly length. So whatever the belly length, it will contract, reduce its size up to, up to one third, that is 30% of its exact size, original size. Then it brings about a movement. So here, the range of the movement, it depends on the length of the fleshy fibers. And the power or the force of movement depends on the number of fibers. The actual behavior of the muscle contraction is actually more complex. During the contraction, the length of the muscle, it may decrease. And this decrease is called as isotonic contraction, where the length of the muscle decreases. Sometimes it may remain unchanged. That's called as isometric contraction. So isotonic contraction, isometric contraction. In isotonic contraction, you will find the length of muscle may decrease, whereas isometric contraction, it may remain unchanged. Sometimes it may increase depending on the functional demands of the body. Now, In, in each of the circumstances, the, the tension which is generated at the ends, it may either increase persist or decrease depending on the number and the state of its active motor units and the external conditions like the loading depending on the load of the tension produced on the muscle. Each movement at a joint is brought about by a coordinated activity of different group of muscles. Now this is interesting, these muscle groups are classified and named according to their function as well. So depending on the type of activity it produces and depending on the interaction with the different groups of muscles. First type is the prime movers which are also called as agonists. So these bring about the desired movement. What happens is when a prime mover, this prime mover helps opposite action by actively controlling the lengthening against the gravity. So it's called as action of paradox. For example, you uh, imagine yourself putting a glass back on the table, okay, which is assisted by gravity, but it is controlled by a gradual active lengthening of the biceps. 
this is paradoxical or eccentric action so when you are putting a glass back on the table it is assisted by gravity but it's also controlled by a gradual active lengthening of the biceps which again regains its position when you take back your hand from the table so that's the action that's prime movers or agonists there is second type of muscles those are called as antagonists which are opponents so the name itself indicates the action so these antagonists they oppose the prime movers so opposing the prime movers also helps in the certain types of movements so these muscles they help the prime movers by active controlled relaxation so that the desired movement is very smooth and precise thus what happens is while the prime movers are doing its action the antagonist will cooperate rather than opposing the prime movers even though the name is opponents or antagonists it it supports the action so that the action won't go haphazard now this is due to the reciprocal innervation of the opposite group of muscles this reciprocal innervation helps and regulates it is regulated by the spinal cord through the stretch reflex so that's the action of the antagonists or the opponents third type are the fixators the name itself indicates that it stabilizes the joint or the muscle or the group of muscles so that the desired movement at a certain joint can occur at a fixed base so muscles acting on the shoulder joint fix it for better movement of fingers so the shoulder joint is stable when the movement of fingers happen imagine yourself writing something with your shoulder being stable if your shoulder moves you are un unable to write anything with your fingers or do any fine movements with your fingers so these muscles are the fixators which help in stabilizing a distal joint a joint to produce a movement at a distal joint next fourth type is the synergists synergists these are when the prime movers they cross more than one joint then the undesired actions at the proximal joints they are prevented by certain groups of muscles those are called as synergists now for example you'll find suppose you are making a tight fist by the long digital flexors which are present over the wrist and it is kept in the fixed uh, it is kept in fixed position in extension and this is produced by the synergists which are present over the wrist the extensors of the wrist so they help in making the synergistic movement and these are special fixators and partial antagonists to the prime movers so it helps in fixing that position that's why these are called as synergists suppose two or more muscles are causing one movement 
this can be called as synergies so in this way you have different classifications of the muscles finally whenever you study some muscles or any organs you always come to the clinical anatomy of those organs or structures so what can be the clinical anatomy of the muscles generally when they lost the motor supply power paralysis occurs so loss of motor power power of the movement that is called as paralysis now how how this how this can happen this can be due to the inability of the muscles to contract because either there is a damage to the motor neural pathways it can be upper or the lower motor neuron or there can be some inherent disease of the muscle any kind of myopathies damage to the upper motor neuron it can cause spastic paralysis with exaggerated tendon jerks damage to the lower motor neuron it can cause flaccid paralysis with the loss of tendon jerks and this will be taught to you in the clinical part how to do the tendon jerks and all coming to the muscular spasm now muscular spasms are quite painful there can be localized muscle spasm which is most commonly caused by a muscle pull you can imagine yourself running somewhere and then suddenly you get a, a spasm and then it's very painful that's because of the muscle pull now in order to relieve this relieve this pain the muscle should be relaxed by appropriate treatment sometimes generalized muscle spasms occur in certain diseases like tetanus or epilepsy next thing is about the disuse atrophy or hypertrophy the muscles which are not used for long times they become gradually thin and weak and this is what is called as disuse atrophy otherwise the conversely you can say adequate or excessive use of certain muscles these can these causes better development that is it uh, slowly starts getting over and over in size and that's called as hypertrophy so atrophy is exactly opposite to hypertrophy muscular wasting muscular wasting that is the reduction in the size of the muscle it's a feature of the lower motor neuron paralysis and also the generalized debility it causes so slowly the muscle starts wasting and the size becomes smaller and smaller coming to another type that is regeneration of the skeletal muscle the skeletal muscle it is capable of limited regeneration if there are large regions which are damaged then regeneration does not occur and the missing muscle it is replaced by the connective tissue then there's the hyperplasia so don't get confused between the hyperplasia and hypertrophy in the hyperplasia there is increase in the number of smooth muscle fibers and it usually occurs in the uterus during the pregnancy then is then there is another condition called as 
myasthenia gravis myasthenia gravis is a autoimmune disease of the muscle and it uh, the origin of this disease is under research antibodies are produced and that bind the acetylcholine receptors and block it and the nerve impulses transmission to the muscle fibers it's again blocked and this leads to extensive and progressive muscle weakness so generalized weakness muscular weakness happens there is a extraocular and eyelid muscles which are affected first so there's a drooping of the eyelids and it is it is followed by those muscles of the neck and the limbs it usually affects more women than men and usually those between the age of 20 to 40 years that's myasthenia gravis another condition you'll find is polymyositis right it's a disease of the muscle characterized by inflammation of the muscle fibers it starts when white blood cells the immune cells of inflammation spontaneously start invading the muscle muscles they close which are close to the trunk or the torso they are mostly affected by polymyositis and it results into severe weakness you'll find that polymyositis which is associated with the skin rash it is referred or called as dermamyositis then you'll find another kind of condition called as fibrillation fibrillation is an abnormal contraction of the cardiac muscle so it's like a trembling so here the cardiac chambers they do not contract as a whole resulting into disruption of the pumping action so one of the chambers suppose the atrium in atrial fibrillation you will find there is a rapid and uncoordinated contraction of the atria there is ineffective pumping and abnormal contraction of the av node in the ventricular fibrillation you'll find it is characterized by very rapid and disorganized contraction of ventricle this leads to the disruption of the ventricular function so fibrillation you'll find there is a disorganized abnormal frequent contraction of the cardiac muscle at any of its chambers now angina pectoris angina pectoris it's the episode of chest pain due to temporary ischemia of the cardiac muscle so there is a loss of blood supply and gradual uh, changes vascular changes happening in the cardiac muscle and that's what leads to sudden contraction uh, and which will result to the chest pain and which may radiate to the neck and the arm so that's called as angina pectoris pectoris means the pectoral region angina is the pain so this is usually relieved by rest and nitrites another condition is myocardial ischemia here there is a persistent ischemia which is due to blockage of more than one arteries which results into death of the cardiac muscle it's called as necrosis of the cardiac muscle too so pain which is not relieved by rest and it starts getting referred to the left arm chest and neighboring areas can be the symptom of the myocardial ischemia 
So these two conditions, the angina pectoris, myocardial ischemia is related to the cardiac, cardiac system. So this is about the clinical anatomy of the muscles. So this is for today, listeners and my dear students. Stay tuned for further more topics. Next topic would be the cardiovascular system. See you again.